Hello and welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I am an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about course selection. Uh, every time February comes around, it's time to be considering your classes for the next year. So these next couple weeks, I'm going to dive deep into a couple different educational systems and offer some recommendations as to which classes you should be choosing uh, to set yourself up best for success in in the upcoming academic year. So uh, this week I'm going to start with AP. Next week I'm going to go into IB a little bit and then we'll look at the final week we'll look at some of the other different educational systems that most of our students are involved in. So that will be the focus of these next few weeks because I know that course selection is coming up for many of you and what classes you choose to take is a big deal and can kind of lay the groundwork for how competitive your application is going to be. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about some of those basics so that both you, if you are a student, both you as well as parents um, when helping provide guidance in the capacity that you can are going to be as well informed as possible. But before we get started with that, some interesting news that has come down in what it continues to be just very unpredictable times. So um, I don't know how much people are paying attention to college related things in, to begin with, but the University of California of Berkeley uh, has just received a court order uh, from the uh, California First District Court of Appeal, and they received this decision on Thursday, February 10th, and it requires UC Berkeley to adhere to a lower court order, uh, which would make force the university to freeze student enrollment at 42,347, which is the same level as 2020-2021. Now, there are multiple reasons for this, um, but the ultimate impact it has on this year is an amalgamation of all of these kind of crazy things that have been happening over the past year or so. So due to the pandemic, a lot of students actually took some time off and it took a gap year or delayed attending university. And so our intent, we're intending to come back this year. And so the a lot of numbers for a lot of different universities, a lot of their incoming class numbers uh, are were much larger, right? Their incoming enrollment numbers are much larger than normal. And so, uh, and that is the case with many different universities because of the number of students who were accepted a couple years ago or accepted a year ago and chose to take some time off, right? To wait for the pandemic to get better, to take care of personal health, to pursue their own interests because it seemed like they didn't want to do online learning for any number of reasons, right? A lot of students took off and um, would have come back. Now, what this court order means is that, uh, is that, even with that increase in numbers, California is not allowed to increase, UC Berkeley is not allowed to continue to expand its enrollment to accommodate that increase in students coming back. And so what that ultimately means, at least according to the university as they released, is that they would have to reduce the number of new undergraduate students that are being enrolled for this upcoming academic year, 2022-2023, by about one-third that's huge, right? And it's going to amount to about 3,050 fewer undergraduate students than what um, than what they had originally planned on in terms of enrollment. So the timing of this is really tricky because everyone has already submitted for UC. Anyone who is applying to the UC Berkeley uh, has already applied to application season is already over for, for the most part. 
And so the college has already made its decision about how many students we're planning on accepting and had that in mind coming into this portion of the year. The results are coming up pretty soon. So this court, what this court decision does is it says, well, you initially were planning on accepting um, so many students, right? Um, but you now have to reduce it, right? And this would be, and the just to give some further detail, and I'm going to read directly from the report from Berkeley. Right? In a typical year, the campus offers admission to approximately 21,000 freshmen and transfer students and enrolls about 9,500 of them. Based on the usual yield rates at Berkeley, we've talked about yield before, the number of students who accept an offer of admission, right? which is, yeah, so the yield is the number of students who accept an offer of admission, a reduction of at least 5,100 in undergraduate admission offers would be needed in order to reduce by 3,050 students the overall enrollment level that had been planned for 2022-2023, okay? And so what this means, right, is that it's going to be um, this sudden dramatic drop means that acceptance rates for UC Berkeley, which already was a very, very competitive year this year, um, looks like those numbers are going to be uh, even worse. So um, if you've applied for UC Berkeley, I know that this doesn't come as the best of news um, and may be an additional source of anxiety. But uh, and, and so hopefully there have been kind of a range of other schools that you've applied for as well. And who knows, right? We, um, Your application, if your application was great, then you you have as good of a chance as before, but the reality is that the um, that this is another example of how at least currently right the state of admissions and the state of college admissions just in general is incredibly unpredictable, and so when you are planning out your school list, when you are planning out your future. You should always make sure that you have a very comprehensive list, right? That um, there can be any number of factors, right? Economic, institutional priorities, the government deciding to intervene that can affect your chances of getting in. And so for those of you who have applied for this coming year, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, who knows what is going to happen here, uh, but did want to raise attention to this as an example of um, kind of the craziness that can happen. And um, I will include a link to this into the show notes just so that if you want to read up more fully on this uh, and all the implications that it could have or dig deeper into the law case itself, you can do so. some free time this summer, have you thought about pre-college summer programs in the U.S.? Consider taking college-level courses from a school on your college list. Challenge yourself with rigorous academics, learn real-world skills from an accredited institution, and familiarize yourself with the academic style of American universities. Applications to these exciting programs are competitive, time-intensive, and most importantly, due very soon. So, if you are interested in these programs, let the expert consultants at TA help you with identifying a program that matches your academic interests and aspirations, creating captivating application essays, completing various aspects of the application on time, and assembling a competitive academic profile. Don't pass up on this amazing opportunity. Book a consultation with TA today and select from hundreds of fun programs, both virtual and abroad, for you to consider.
that's one thing. Just wanted to point that out. All right. And, uh, and just to, if you have schools that you're interested in, if you have schools that you are, uh, that you care about, right. Or that you really are interested in applying for, follow them, right. Add them on Twitter, add them on Instagram, add them on Facebook, sign up for their newsletter so that this information can come constantly to you, right? One of the things that I have done as part of my job as an admissions consultant, but also just to stay informed is I've taken the top 50, 70 schools, right? Uh, the top big set of schools in the US and then several schools around the world and just follow them on Twitter, right? And then that becomes part of my morning scroll through, right? And that's one way for me to stay informed of all the different movements, all the things that are happening. Did such and such a university just buy a new art museum, which Tufts did a few years ago? Okay, great. Well, then if you're applying this coming year as an art student, there will be an advantage to applying for an art student at Tufts because they are looking to build up their student base, right? Things like that really, while will never be a crystal clear picture of what a school's institutional priorities are, like in terms of who they are looking for that year, it will never be like a known known thing. But what it can be is a way for you to have a better sense of just to stay informed and to strategize and to be aware of where the colleges are investing money, what things they, the college is struggling with, or in this case, right? having an understanding of why this year's numbers might be kind of absurdly low for UC Berkeley, um, but also hopefully also will be encouragement to just say that, just always be mindful of not throwing all your eggs in one basket. Uh, there is a lot of turbulence in education going on right now. Most of it is happening at the lower elementary, middle, high school level, where it has to do with books and mask mandates, and there's a lot of politics that are involved with all of this. But especially when it comes to large public schools that are not as free to operate as um, private institutions are, it's very important to stay on top of everything that's going on just so that you can act and in the most knowledgeable and informed way possible. Okay. And so speaking of that, nice hard transition here, but speaking of being prepared and being knowledgeable, let's dive a little bit into what the AP system is. So hopefully this will be useful information for anyone who is attending a school that runs the AP program, any students who are coming into that program or students where AP, attending a school where AP is an option. So the AP system or the advanced placement system is run by the uh, college board, same organization that runs the SAT. And what they decided to do is they, they offer a series of courses that serve as um, the equivalent of freshman year college courses. So introductory college courses for a wide range of subjects. And this serves two purposes, and this is kind of really where I want to start to delve a little bit into the strategy. So today I'm really going to talk about why taking APs matters, as well as answer some myths around how many APs you should take in order to be competitive. Um, but then I also want to talk about which APs you should be pursuing, and we'll talk a little bit about both of those things in conjunction with course selection and planning and knowing your school curriculum well. So the first thing that I wanted to talk with is, well, why, why AP? What's the big deal around AP? And AP, AP classes in the school that offers them are an indicator of your course rigor. We've talked before about how important rigor is to getting ahead. And APs really serve to 
serve oftentimes in most schools APs are going to be the highest level class that you can take oftentimes with the exception of math and maybe a couple other exceptions but APs if your school is an AP school AP is usually going to be the highest level of class you can take it is an automatic indicator generally speaking to universities that you have been pushing the rigor that you have been pushing kind of the um, challenging yourself academically and so that's one side, right? It is, a, is that it is a very clear indicator on your transcript that you are taking on challenge. This is especially important in a time where the SAT subject tests are already gone. There are no subject tests anymore. And so one of the only remaining ways to really show your cap capability in a particular field, especially if you are focused on a very niche specific professional goal, right? Like law or medical or engineering, it's going to be very important to show that you are capable of handling the rigors of that particular profession. Now, the other thing that is going to be important is that AP colleges have, uh, the College Board has worked out with pretty much all the colleges in the United States that their APs are of a rigor that they should count towards actual college credit. And so advanced placement, where advanced placement really starts to live up to its name is when, so once you get into college, okay? So if you are able to score out of, get a score of four or five, right? And so the, the AP is scored out of five. Um, and if you were able to get a four or five, many universities will consider that as good enough to clear out your, a lot of your introductory classes, right? Some, will, some schools will have different policies. Um, and so it's, awful, of course, important to research that and look it up and in your application process, if that is going to be a factor. But I have a couple of students that I'm working, that I was working with a couple of, for the past years, a couple of years, and they're in university now, and they arrived at university and they were, and they took many, many APs and they basically are done with about a full year worth of college classes, right? They don't need to worry about taking intro writing. They don't need to worry about taking intro to bio or introductory economics because they took all of those APs in high school. And so now they can skip those and jump right into the more complex classes, jump right into kind of the intermediate instead of having to take these intro requirements. And so what that does functionally is it allows you to take more advantage of the huge breadth of course offerings that university actually has to offer. And so high school course offerings are very limited. By taking APs and freeing up those credit slots, right? And most colleges, you can only take around three to four classes per semester. So each of those slots is very precious and very expensive. Not only do APs help kind of show that you can handle college and can boost your application, but once you're in college, can help kind of clear you out of using up those slots for basic level courses and allow you to make the most out of college by actually taking some more advanced classes, okay? So that's the why and the, the what and the why of it. So let's move into the how, right? Well, how many should I take, right? And generally speaking, if you are aiming for the very tip top, and I do wanna be very straight here, if you are aiming for the very, very tip top, you want to be as close to double digit APs as possible, right? You want to get to around nine, 10, 11, 12-ish APs, right? I took 15, um, but that's because I'm dumb. And, uh, and I was exhausted by the time I got through it, but you should be aiming to hover around anywhere from nine to 12 uh, APs, depending on what your school will allow you to take, right? And so 
Now, you might be looking and being like, that, look, wait, that's impossible. In order for me to take 12 APs, I'd have to take six, six my junior year, six my senior year, and I still need to take PE. I still have to take these other things. That seems crazy. It is. And so one of the things that you want to be aiming for is you want to be taking those APs earlier, right? And there are quite a few APs that are, even though they are not taught, are quite easy for a freshman or a sophomore to learn and to do well on, okay? And the only challenge, the only tricky part is finding a place to take the APs um, because oftentimes schools, if they are not teaching that class, they will not allow you to take the AP exam. But self-study AP exams are common and there are, um, if you work through College Board especially, College Board can help you identify a proctor or identify a place that will allow you to take the exam. If you are a student at Tokyo Academics, we have a partnership that will allow you to take that exam outside of the outside of your school. And so if you're interested in those options, please contact us. Now, here are the APs that are perfectly doable at a younger age, okay? AP Human Geography, AP Psychology, which a lot of students are interested in taking anyways for marketing, for law, for any of these, a lot of professions would value a psychology background and an introductory to psychology background, right? So AP psychology, AP comparative government, right? AP US government, okay? And in many ways, I think AP econ, uh, both macro and micro are incredibly doable independently, okay? So those are kind of the, the APs that I think don't, um, and also AP environmental science. Those are the APs that don't require a whole lot of technique. They ultimately are just vocabulary courses. You just need to learn a lot of terminology. And if you are able to do that effectively, you will be able to do just fine on any of those exams. And so one of the ways of hitting that double digit set is to start taking them early, ninth grade, 10th grade, start taking those on um, and uh, challenging yourself that way. And that also becomes one of the ways to distinguish yourself, right? Because ninth grade, 10th grade, most schools, most school curricula are the same, right? Ninth grade and 10th grade, there's not a whole lot of ways to set yourself apart with the exception of math. Okay, and so AP, APs become one of those ways of doing it. Okay, so just be just keep that in mind. There are changes coming down the line. Of um, a lot of universities have started a movement to say that we don't look at more than three APs. Right, and so if you've taken three, it, the number is fluctuating. But if you've taken three to five APs, um, that's your cap. Once you've hit that cap, additional APs don't reward you in terms of course rigor when a college is evaluating your application. I don't think that's going to go through, um, especially with the challenges that the, uh, the SAT has been facing. I think College Board is going to be pretty insistent on, no, we need, we want kids to be taking a lot of APs. So I don't know if that's going to go through. We shall see, but just something to be aware of. Okay. Now, in terms of selection and in terms of planning, which APs do I choose in the upcoming year? One is that you need to consider what you are, what profile you're shaping, right? And this gets into that whole strategy around profile shaping. If you are planning on being an engineer, you must have physics and chem. That is a non-negotiable. If you are planning on pursuing engineering or you want to have engineering be the type of school that you are applying to, 
you have to have physics, you have to have chemistry. Now, depending on what your what your physics allows you to go up to, right? Most schools offer at least up to AP Physics 2. Some offer AP Physics C, right? You must take physics and chem, right? That's a very clear-cut case. Same thing if you are interested in the medical fields at all, you should be doing bio and chem baseline, right? You should be taking bio and chem. If you're interested in any of the STEM fields, your goal, especially if you have the time to plan this way, right, your goal is to get up at least to AP BC calculus. This is true for most of the competitive US STEM programs. It is also very true for the UK if you're thinking of applying for the UK, um, but it is also true for business. Many business programs and a lot of kids don't aren't aware of this. When they say, oh, I want to go to business because they usually think I want to go to business because I just want to make a lot of money. Many business programs are very math driven, are very quant, right? they're very quantitative. And so having BC calculus, AP calculus, BC uh, on your uh, transcript is a, is a boon, um, but it is moving more in the direction of a must. Okay, so those of you who are interested in those, please take those, right? Um, those are some of the priorities. In 11th grade, most 11th grade, if you are in an AP system, right, um, most 11th grade students are going to be have the option of AP US history and regular US history. In general, I say take AP US history just because it's a, such a clear drop off from AP US to regular US history that unless you know that it's going to be a real academic struggle for you, um, that drop that that drop off is very obvious, um, especially if all of your many of your other classmates are taking AP US history as well. One of the caveats um, with the AP system is that even though they've worked closely with universities, um, they haven't always gotten approval for very particular things. So um, they're one of the recent um, classes that has been introduced in response to the IB's extended essay is the AP diploma set of a series. So in one year you take what is called AP seminar and in the next year you take AP research. I think these can be, and if you finish both, you get what is called the AP uh, capstone, right? Um, you get the AP capstone diploma. These are, these are great classes. They start to introduce college level research at a younger age. However, please do check the schools that you are applying to. The number that don't recognize AP seminar or AP research as an English class is getting lower, but there are still several schools that will not acknowledge AP seminar or AP research as an English class, even though your school might. Right? And so just be careful because if their requirement for, for example, if they require the school require the university requires you to have four years of English, right, and you only took AP Sem and AP research you're only going to have two years of English, the English you took in ninth and 10th grade. And so you baseline will not be eligible, right? So um, if you really are interested in seminar and in research, you may have to take another English course as well during both of those years. So just something to consider, something to think about when deciding on your programs and your agenda, okay? So in terms of the APs, push yourself. I think that the APs are very, at least at this point in time, serve multiple values. One, it shows course rigor in an environment where these subject tests are no longer available. Number two, 
they provide value um, once you are accepted into university that the number of credits you can clear off can be incredibly powerful and number three they really do um, help you stand out right and really allow you to push your rigor and at least at this point in time many college degrees have fixed expectations of what they're looking for so just some things to keep in mind when thinking about your applications and um, hopefully that is helpful to all of you okay so next week we'll dive more into the IB and hopefully that will be helpful for those students as well so remember in all of this right whether that be the University of California system or planning your APs right that the key to getting in is getting ready